0: well hello there this is milena your host of the retail mavericks podcast in this episode we have taken a popular webinar and converted it into a podcast for your listening pleasure you can visit hybrid.com forward slash resources to watch the full webinar
1: but for now let's get on with the show
0: Hello, everybody, and happy Friday. I'm Jackie Lewis, content director here at the CMA, and I'm going to be the host for today's webinar. And we have a ton of folks on the call today. I think this is actually the most we've had on one of our AI and machine learning webinars, which is really great to see. Um, Certainly, as investment and adoption of machine learning and retail accelerates, we're rapidly moving from the more visionary approach to a world where these next-gen tools deliver practical value and really excited to have Hivory and IDC here to partner on this presentation today. So from Hyvory, we have my good friend, John Showalter, VP of Client Services, who's newer to Hivory, but a seasoned category management and shopper insights professional with over 30 years of experience. Um, He is a CMA certified professional strategic advisor and was a huge contributor to the CMA's Omnichannel Shopper Framework and Catman 3.0 projects. So great to have you here, John. Um, From IDC, for those who don't know, stands for International Data Corporation, we have John Duke, VP of Research and Retail Insights. And IDC is the premier global provider of market intelligence and advisory services, and John leads the intelligent product merchandising and marketing strategies practice for them. Um, Welcome, John and John. Great to have you here, and I will hand it over to you.
1: Thank you very much. Uh, Really nice to to speak with you all today, and uh, thanks for your time. Uh, I'm going to flip over to my screen here, and um, today we're going to talk uh, about next-generation merchandising solutions, and really spend a lot of time talking about some of the challenges of retail uh, today, and 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 kind of what's to come uh, looking forward, and and how how some of the solutions out there, uh, next-generation solutions, can really help solve some of these challenges. Uh, so with that, we're going to we're going to jump in. Um, to start here, if I can figure out how to flip the slides, that would be great. There we go. Um, before we get into the details, I want to start out with this, this picture of you kind know, of the evolution of, of category management. It's a very high level, um, probably familiar to uh, to this audience, but you know, category management, the principles were developed you know 40 years ago, back in the 1980s. Uh, and you know if we were you know, the early years, first you know, couple of decades, really, the, the tools are really focused more on planning uh, rather than outcomes, right? So how do we how do we appropriately plan the categories? How do we get the right products in there? But not thinking as much about commercial outcomes, right? And then as technology starts to starts to come into play uh, and, and 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 become a more meaningful part of the processes. Innovations were really about process improvement, driving efficiency, driving, driving, uh, you know, speed and accuracy of the process. Um, and as we sort of continue moving forward into this world of, of AI supported tools, uh, those again still focused around automation, right? So, so more about how do we, how do we automate tasks within the process rather than how do we, develop the best answer, right? And so now we move to this world of augmentation and this is really the story, the story we're telling today. Uh, that you know, when you think about modern tools, they require speed and scale and an orientation toward the consumer and, and it's next generation solutions that are able to, to leverage AI in order to augment decision-making to support those challenges. And that's really, that's sort of where we're gonna take you. Um, so if we start uh, again, some of the talk a little bit about some of the challenges of the current merchandising op- optimization, and, and it, the main point uh, is is that current processes constrain retail today. Uh, you, they're inefficient, um, quite labor intensive. A uh, lot of people involved in in category p- planning, category optimization. You've got teams within retail, multiple teams, and multiple people within those teams. You've got the category teams. Uh, within the within the vendor community, uh, all sort of working together, but through kind of siloed, separate processes with not a whole lot of integration uh, uh, among those teams and among the process. Right. So uh, the way that retailers and CPGs are, are working today is uh, largely with outdated tools. They're sharing data, but it's kind of narrow and limited of limited scope. It's through you know face-to-face meetings, email, uh, sharing spreadsheets and and uh, and uh, you know PowerPoint decks to to, to to kind of make points around around various uh, various tools. Um, you know it's requiring specialized skill sets and you know what we we all like to to refer to as industry expertise, which really is just a way to spin the fact that we're we're relying more on on gut feel and the art uh, more than the science and when we think about you know this this idea of localization uh another important concept that's been you know around retail and 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 consumer industry for for quite some time yet it's much more of a vision than reality right localization does not actually mean or rarely means at the store level you know it it's It's regional at best, store clusters that are um, kind of limited in nature and, you know, maybe grouped by store volume uh, or, you know, weather or something like that. Right. That it's not granular or or detailed or or all that relevant uh, to the consumer today. Um, And then, you know, you've got processes that are that are largely disconnected um, across the value chain and retailers understand this. Uh, When we surveyed retailers uh, earlier this year, uh, 54% of them are citing this, this idea of, uh, of improving ecosystem collaboration, meaning, meaning within the, the, the stakeholder community of, of retailers and their CPG vendors and, and, and technology uh, solution providers as well as being a top priority. Uh, and, and almost half are, are citing this challenge uh, within merchandising specifically of, of disconnected data across the value chain. It's a, it's a critical challenge that we'll come back to. Uh, and touch on a little bit. So retailers understand this. Um, at the same time, uh, the merchandising function, uh, category management process, is under increasing challenge uh, based on trends that are that are accelerating today. So things like small format stores that are that are you know popping up in every segment of retail. So neighborhood grocery retailers. Um, you know, everybody seems to have an, a sort of small store urban concept today. Uh, growth of in-store services that are that's that's continuing to take uh, an increasing amount of space from, from product on the floor. Um, you know, that's been around for again quite some time, but accelerating and, and expanding across uh, uh, across segments of retail. Think about you know the the, the grocerant concept in within within grocery stores. Um, you know, in-store pet services, uh, all of the uh, services uh, services focused uh, concepts that are coming out. Um, and then the scaling of omni-channel experiences as well. So think about just your own experiences of, you know, walking into, you know, a, a Target or a Nordstrom and, and uh, you know, the space that they've carved out or your local grocery store where they've carved out space. Uh, from their from their you know their front of store to 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 to, to actually operate the the curbside pickup uh, operations or fulfill uh, orders. Um, so all of these are sort of shrinking the available space. Um, and then we've got you know the sort of well documented market shocks that we've all experienced recently, whether it's the pandemic or it's the more uh, more recent uh, challenges with uh, with supply chain. Um, Slowdowns, you know, we we've got uh, a lot of things that are happening that are that are creating this challenge. Right. So um, see a couple of data points there, Uh, you know, from 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 an online perspective. uh, During the pandemic, 75 percent of consumers retail wallet was spent online versus in store. Now that's come down a bit. Um, but it's still significantly outpacing where it was uh, pre-pandemic. And so so, you know, in in segments where maybe there once was some insulation from e-commerce, that is no longer the case. That's 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 that that it has staying power and retailer and consumers are are going to continue to shop online. Um, we also understand that that those those omnichannel expectations are now table stakes for retailers. So 60% of consumers, 59% of consumers. Are telling us that they would shop elsewhere if the retailer doesn't offer buy online pickup in the store, and almost fifty percent are saying they, that if you don't know how to offer curbside pickup, we're going to look for a different retailer. So again, the acceleration of some of these trends uh, is important. That e-commerce growth is creating challenges for demand forecasting uh, when you're trying to forecast by market or by store. That uh, you know when when the demand is at a different point in different location from from the, the the transaction itself, um, and you know, all, and all of the challenges that we're all facing. So, so we, we understand these challenges, and you know, as a result, there's this idea of competing pressures. You know, whether it's the the the, the you know the retail side or the vendor community, all the things we just talked about, those increasing space constraints, operational challenges shifting consumer behaviors and challenges of forecasting are running head-on into the core needs of of category management so how do we rationalize skews how do we get rid of those underperforming things which are the right ones to get rid of that are that are not going to chase consumers away um, to my competitor how do i think about what i don't have in my own store as a retailer but my competitors might have and how do i solve that either with national brands or are there proprietary or exclusive brands that I can, that I can get after? Uh, What are those, what are those opportunities? Um, And, you know, sort of from the, from the, from the, the uh, the CPG side of the world, what are new, what are new innovations? What What are, what's white space out there that, that doesn't exist today that we can generate new demand from. And then all of that sort of back to this idea of localization and what we're, what, all of this is to say that you know, as these things compete with each other, retailers and 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 the, the retail community at large needs to change their approach. We, we need to rethink our approach to category management uh, and 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 merchandising optimization. The good news is that retailers are looking to the future. They're understanding uh, AI. Uh, as an example, um, analytics, uh, capabilities as being much more, uh, much more critical today. So we, we surveyed, uh, retailers earlier this year, uh, specifically around their, uh, their, 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 perspectives on AI. And we asked a whole host of questions, but, uh, one in particular, I think is, uh, is, is, is enlightening. And it's, it's, it's the results we're showing here. We asked a very simple question. It was a, a binary response is ai essential or is it not essential for you know 15 different uh use cases and you can see those use cases on the left and the surprising result is that more than half across all across all those use cases more than half of retailers said that ai is essential to solving our business challenge right and this is a fundamental shift that's happened in the last two years we um, asked similar a uh, two years ago in 2019 and retailers and 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 cpgs absolutely saw ai as something that was future looking it was more visionary than practical and didn't really understand the specific value that that ai brought to the business today right it was more experimentation it was we had something like 60 percent of 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 organizations were were not even uh, considering AI uh, within their organization. So this is a massive rapid shift uh, in in maturity and at least in in, in thinking. Um, but solutions are more focused on automation today. So you know if you sort of look at, at merchandising specifically. Um, retailers are telling us that their number one investment in the merchandising space is space and assortment planning. Um, and, and in terms of technology investment, uh, that's from, from again, some, some surveys that we did earlier this year. And they're telling us that AI is absolutely essential, like we just said, for merchandising analytics. But when we ask them what their, what their intent of that solution was, uh, is it, about automation, or is it about uh, extending human capabilities? Uh, the fifty percent are saying that that it's, it's the focus is around automation and efficiency, and only forty percent are saying that that it's that it's about uh, extending and expanding human capabilities. And that in that that difference, that distinction, matters. It matters greatly uh, when we think about what that means. Um, AI for automation. The intent of a solution at that point is about, you know, offloading administrative tasks to the solution. It's giving, giving power for low-level decision-making, um, you know, simplifying and streamlining processes uh, with, with, with the intent of freeing the human user to focus on those kind of higher-level thinking uh, tasks, um, which, is, which is great. And I think it, it, it helps employees do their jobs better. But at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's a task orientation and that's driving a prop, this, this, this sort of process driven culture. Challenge is the retail and we hear these words all the time, but retail, uh, the retailers need to be customer focused, right? And, and, and this is a really good example of how the, the industry at large talks about being customer focused, but doesn't actually, um, doesn't actually follow through uh, with 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 you know across the organization uh, this is a perfect example ai for automation is process focused ai used for augmenting decision making that drives customer driven culture so ai for augmentation it's about extending those those human capabilities pointing ai solutions toward really complex challenging analytical problems that Humans can theoretically solve, but not anywhere near the speed, scale, and accuracy that's required to the lower value. This is about outcome orientation and it's about helping serve the end consumer better. It's tools, driving tools to ultimately provide better experience for the consumers who are shopping the stores. That's customer-driven culture, and that's what what, what AI for augmentation uh uh, is about. And that's why that distinction matters. It matters. It's, it's quite important. And next generation tools for merchandising, they are all about uh, augmenting those strategic decisions. You can see some of the things on the right hand side, some of those strategic questions that, that next generation merchandising solutions are, are, are capable of, 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 of Answering, capable of, of, of augmenting the decisions around these 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 challenging questions, which I'm sure this audience is, you know, understands these challenges well, right? So, how do we? What what categories should we expand as we eliminate, you know, our prepared food section, as an example, or, um, you know, where should we be thinking more about depth of a of a product, of a skew of a me, of a category versus versus breadth. Right. How do we how do we think about that trade off um, and you know, where where are new opportunities? And next generation tools are doing that through. You know, making data. Available efficiently and accurately to you know, analytically oriented business leaders So we are talking about democratization of data, they're improving collaboration through kind of ch- transparent sharing of insights across the stakeholder community and also and importantly helping move from not just recommendations but taking those recommendations and operationalizing those to actual um, actual uh, execution right so moving from from just here's here's some insight to here's insight that captures real world constraints and 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 prescribing actions uh, to support that, so really taking it taking it from from just strategy to actual execution as well, and and that's that's really what 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 those tools are all about at a high level. Um, you know, at the same time, when we think about those those specific capabilities, um, you know, if you kind of go drill down into this, and I won't go through this in in, in detail, but uh, you know, next generation tools are all about um, you know, eliminating the trade-off between granularity and scale, right? So today we might be able to get a very uh, granular answer, but not be able to do that across the chain or across, the, across our, our, our product portfolio. But next generation tools give you the ability to integrate detailed, personalized assortments across different customer segments um, regardless of channel and, and be able to identify the meaningful patterns in, in demand and, and, and kind of eliminate the need for that trade off. And that is, um, that's a really powerful uh, place to be, um, thinking about, uh, demand, uh, at the attribute level, uh, the, as being kind of an underlying driver of, of assortment decisions. These are sort of customer focused capabilities that really are not uh, not available today again not available at the at that sort of combination of speed scale and accuracy um, you know simple things like like we talked a little bit about store clustering a few slides ago store clusters uh, today are largely kind of created with you know things like sales sales volume or regions and and, and not really not really with the customer in mind necessarily or or maybe it's uh, driven by you know, sales volume as a proxy for customer demand, right? That's not, that's not, that's not, that's not truly customer focused. What is 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 being able to analyze like customer segments and and think about customer de- demand independent from volume and more focused on again, like attributes um, and, and, and being able to do that at the individual store level. Uh, these are not, these are not you know, visionary ideas anymore. They're, they're fully, uh, possible today with, with next generation tools. Um, and then, you know, importantly call out scenario modeling and comparisons, right? So being able to be able to take your insights and then, and then quickly model different s- scenarios and, and predict the impact of, of those different assortment of decisions, whether those are large scale uh, decisions or small SKU level decisions and be able to understand, um, that, and predict the impact of those across, uh, across you know, actual metrics in real time and then, and then, and then understand the trade-offs you're making as you, as you switch those out and doing that fast enough to be able to keep up with the pace that's required for, uh, for decision-making in, in the real world. And I think it's really important, and those are really important uh, uh, capabilities that, that, that we have available to us. So it's reasonable to ask then, while we've come a long way in the last two years in terms of our thinking, there are still practical challenges that prevent the industry from moving faster. Uh, One of those we touched on early on, it's this idea um, that that retailers uh, and and the vendor community uh, are having challenges making data accessible and usable across the value chain, right? So regardless of the source system, regardless of the organization, uh, that 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 generates that data and that owns that data, the inability to seamlessly connect data across systems throughout the value chain and to make that available through through decision making or for decision making, excuse me, um, is a real is a real challenge to some of these some of these processes. But again, so the the right tools can help that. Um, but there's also there's also uh, you know. Uh, just process oriented and, and data uh, cleansing activities that need to happen as well. Um, that middle box is a really interesting one as well. So, so uh, the retail community perceives uh, significant challenges in in being able to hire, recruit, hire, and retain um, analytics and AI talent, uh, and they they view that as as a uh, unique challenge uh, for for the retail industry, consumer industry, relative to others, um, and that's that's important because I think I think you know retail as an industry has historically uh, lagged um, other industries in terms of analytical maturity um, and, and, and 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 their sort of views on on things like AI, uh, and and that has. Largely um, influenced their ability to attract uh, attract the right talent, um, but but you know I think it's it's also really important to understand that the right tools, um, next generation tools, can really help this. Retailers don't need more data scientists to solve this problem. They need better tools that make data scientists less relevant and less less critical. Uh, Pieces of the puzzle, and the right tools can do that by by enabling analytically oriented business leaders to to access the decision the the, the data they need to make decisions and 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 pass that through to uh, to their teams right and 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 so so the tool matters here um, and then <coughs> importantly uh, on the right hand side the other the other sort of limiting factor here um, that we that we see a lot of is uh, and these are four Mostly for organizations that maybe are less uh, less mature in their capabilities and are trying to accelerate forward, there tends to be a lack of a lack of organizational trust around uh, you know, automated processes, uh, automated processes, and, and, and just analytical decision making in general, right? So, so, so organizationally, uh, you know, leaders and uh, and and folks throughout the organization need to be able to trust the answers. That are coming from solutions they need to be able to trust the processes and the data and be able to lean we talked about this idea that that uh you know there's there's still a healthy amount of, of, of gut feel decision making and you know retail of the future is analytically robust and the goal needs to be analytics influences every decision at some level, right, and move significantly further down the path uh, toward toward analytical decision making, and that organizational trust is a critical component of that. So I think we'll we'll end here uh, with kind of where we began, and then we'll, we'll we'll go to some some questions and some discussion with uh, with John from Ivory. Um But you know this this is sort of a uh, a more detailed view of that early slide that i shared which is this evolution of, of merchandising optimization so if you think about the, the current standard today it's again more about tactical planning than it is about strategic optimization um localization is more of a future capability uh, versus today's you know kind of one one size or maybe a couple of sizes fit fits all um, you know this this idea that analytical tools are, really do require technical expertise. They require people who can access the data um, structured in a way that can be used, and it creates a bottleneck uh, where 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 questions and 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 problems go through you know a, a, a small uh, group of individuals who who have the technical skills to to access that data. And, and, and innovations are focused on process improvement rather than rather than better outcomes uh, next generation tools again about rapidly simulating strategy quantifying the impacts of that prescribing actions doing that in a conversational way making it easy to use across the organization and staying uh, focused on the ultimate commercial goals uh, regardless of what the process is so with that I I'm going to pass it back to or open it back up to John, and uh, we, I believe, can uh, can take a few questions.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. What a great overview of sort of the state of the industry and how far it's come in just a short amount of time. Um, put some of the pitfalls and the challenges, I think, from, you know, higher level adoption that we'll probably be working through over the next few years, too. So, um, great. So, I, um, as I mentioned, if you, anyone in the audience has a question, feel free to go ahead and submit it. Um, I do have a handful prepared to get things um, started off, and then we can move to audience questions as we have time. So, the first one um, is for John, uh, John Showalter. So, you have been in the industry for, um, you know, 30-plus years, and up until Hyvory, you know, you spent all of your time on the CPG and manufacturer side. So, um, can you maybe talk us through a little bit about what you, you know, what drove you to make the move over to this, a solution provider?
2: Yeah, sure. Uh, hey, Jackie, good to see you again. <laughs> and first of all, thanks for pointing out, using real numbers, and pointing out how old I am, yeah, given, you giving know, you 30 <laughs> years in the industry, so... But, you know, I started when, you know, when I was uh, 32, maybe. So we'll keep it okay. at that. And also, John, uh, a phrase I'm going to use from now on, you just closed out with analytical maturity. I love that. I'm, I'm <laughs> stealing that from you. That was cool. Uh, but, yeah, a 30-year career. I, I always tell people I feel very fortunate to not only have been in this industry, to been in CPG, but get the, the opportunity to kind of grow up in, in category management grow up with it, uh, given when I started. Um, and yeah, and, and prior to Hyrie, as you said, Jackie, I uh, you know, spent all of that time really on the brand side or on the manufacturer side, uh, but previous to, won't go through that whole history, but previous to to come over to Hyrie recently, spent 12 years at Red Bull and was there to help first build uh, and then uh, lead the category and the, the shopper groups, the shopper function. Um, you know, what's really cool about that too is, you know, Red Bull, I think everyone would know is they, they would hold that, that company and that brand up as being extremely unique and and very creative. And, and that goes throughout the entire organization. So obviously we were held to that standard in, in our group and always looking for cutting edge and, and looking for uh, differentiation and things of that nature. Um, and but a part of my journey, especially in the last five years, I started asking that question of myself and of the team as, as some of the research that John just shared of where does data science meet category? What does that look like? What's the inter, what's the intersection and with all of the new and emerging technology and capability that was coming into the marketplace? You know, how could I partner in, and tap into that to continue down that path of making us differentiated, and making us unique, and, and partnering with our clients? So, and, and then really dialing into that about two years uh, ago, I was because of, of that kind of journey I was on, I was able to uh, to partner with hybrid. Uh, so I have that vantage point of being a client and seeing it from that perspective, kind of a front row seat. Uh, was one of the first clients, uh, to my knowledge, that they had in, in the U.S. and 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 being able to to see it from that uh, from that side of that engagement. So, um, look, I'm one of those that had really not considered moving over to the solution side too much, even though I had a lot of experience in my roles on, on brands and engaging with some of these really fantastic companies um and obviously this engagement this pro- this project we did did not uh, result in a in a uh an offer a job offer at that time a lot of things went you know happened since then you know uh and that but the offer when the opportunity did present itself and I did have to face that decision what I consider making that move it was definitely a very easy decision it was in my experience while you know we've progressed a lot in this industry uh over those 30 years but I think you could hold on one hand things that we would and John kind of touched on this, that we're kind of, you know, uh, maybe behind a little bit in that analytical maturity. I don't know that we've had a lot of true disruption uh, mm-hmm. in the industry, um, but this is one of those spaces where I, I feel like there's real disruption happening. I think Harvey's one of those that is contributing to that. So, yeah, mm-hmm. when, once the opportunity came along, it was it was uh, it was relatively easy decision to make the leap.
0: Good. And a testament to someone who's been in the industry so long to make a leap like this shows you do, you know, you can recognize when something is really monumental and going to change things. I think because of the time you've spent and what you've seen for so many years, not that you're old or anything. That's not what I'm implying. Oh yeah. I am. <laughs> um, great. All right. So the next one. Um, so in, in, uh, the CMAs are our latest, um, Value and use of category captain survey. So we surveyed our membership, um, both retailers and brands, those that had captaincy programs, and then for suppliers, those that, you know, had captaincies today. Um, One of the challenges faced by those suppliers that we surveyed uh, was balancing retailer strategies Category insights and recommendations, and then their own company's strategic initiatives. So, um, how would you say that the next gen merchandise solutions like Hiveres Curate um, can maybe address uh, one of you know this particular challenge that was brought up in that survey?
2: Ooh, yeah, really good question. Because I reflect back on a number of times in my career, I've also had the the opportunity to try to teach category management. And whether you're uh, a practitioner or or a teacher, one of the things I always struggled with, or I felt like was a was a void, or we didn't do a very good job—at least I uh, didn't—was this real tight uh, uh, strategy and tactical linkage, and particularly with throughout the category, not just at kind of a big macro level, like, um, but really being able to drive that all the way through, you know, the category and its its segmentation. So. You know, look, shopper insights or our research in general, I think, does a great job of of highlighting the white spaces that you know we want to sit down and talk with retailers about on our particular category and what we want to go achieve or what, what strategies do, do we want to go after. And they're yeah. typically about, hey, here's a here's a shopper group, here's some shopper segmentation work we've done that would highlight and you've got big opportunities in this group versus that group. Maybe it's need state oriented and things of that nature. But what's great about a product like hybrid is it enables you to now take that and say, okay, now how, what, what is the impact if I really do something if, you know, so now let's evaluate what options I could, I could take to go after some kind of a, of a shopper insight, And then I can, I can quantify that by using, uh, by using hybrid to say, here's, here's either the, 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 uh, the size of the opportunity. uh, And, or the size of several different options toward that opportunity, or quite frankly, maybe the other it's, Here's the risk I'm exposing myself to if I swing too too far and trying to go after and, and accomplish something. Um, and it enables us to kind of do that in a little bit more real time nature than say the traditional way, which is you have a great meeting, you have a great engagement with a client. Somebody asks a really, really good question and everyone goes, great. Let me take a note. We'll get back to you. You know, and you do, you have to go back to the shop and do a lot of, a lot of analytics and even maybe some primary research to try to, to try to get at that. So I, I think, that is one of its uh, absolutely biggest advantages. Is once the data is ingested and stood up, uh, these kinds of, of questions can be answered in an in, in ongoing, continuous cycle.
0: Great.
1: Yeah, I would um, I would just echo that that point. I think one of the things that we we've been talking a lot about uh, with, with with our clients is is this idea of uh, you know improved. Uh, retailer supplier collaboration and, and what does that really mean right and, and you know the world talks all about collaboration today but but we we're trying to get to this world of 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 true collaboration right so not just sharing of data right like you described john like hey here's here's what our shopper insights team thinks is a good opportunity and then the retailer comes in on top with, with their consumer insights group and so and they sort of you know discussing and debating and you know, it with a with a tool like Hyvory, um, you know, this, this idea of, of, of real time collaboration is 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 important, but but so is this idea that, that we're we're not just sharing data, we're 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 collaborating on analytics, we are getting shared insights and a common understanding of the truth, right? That and, and, and then and then you know we're able then to
2: as a as a as a collective group uh, you know, work with processes,
1: tools, and 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 incentives that are all sort of aligned together and moving in the same direction. And I think that's how we get to this this world. And 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 and, and these next generation tools are, are, are certainly um, kind of essential
2: in that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, great. So we often hear of AI driven analytical solutions providing value but only if companies are able to leverage that. And upskilling can take time. So maybe can you both comment a little on how easy to use um, Hyvery Curate is?
2: Yes, and those that have worked with me are, are going to get a kick out of this because I can relate to it. Um, first of all, when you join Hyvery, no matter what position in all of client services, sales, etc., it is an absolute requirement that you – go through what we call our, our, our boot camp, hybrid academy, And as a result, you are certified in how to utilize the tool uh, and demonstrate it and things of that nature. So cool. exhibit one, if I can do it, anybody can do it.
0: <laughs> so, uh,
2: but cool. seriously, um, the, the client services group uh, that we're, we're, we have built is, uh, it first starts with a real personalized uh, onboarding and training uh, program. Uh, and, and making sure that whomever is going to touch the, the tool across an organization that they're, they're completely trained and, and ready to, to, to utilize the system. But then further than that, it's, it's supported by First Data Ops. Obviously, there's a lot of data, uh, that, you know, is, it needs to be ingested in that. So the Data Ops team that help us uh, stand up a project. And then what we call our analytic consultants, uh, team that supports clients all along the journey. And so they're the experts in the tool. That can actually help frame these, these questions we're asking, these big, these big business questions or strategic questions, turning those into rule sets uh, within, within the system so that we can then run the scenarios and come back with results and kind of stewarding uh, clients along in that process. Another key component of, of, the, of the AC team that was also to be there to take back feedback. Obviously, we're a startup. We have expanded our client base quite dramatically, which means it's putting us into more and more new categories. And as you get into these categories, obviously, you learn new things. You you see challenges that maybe we need to uh, to to build into the tool, and that's our job to take that back to engineering and, and make sure that that's a part of a uh, part of the product. And, and 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 as well, just improving the overall uh, ease and, and user experience is a key component. Yeah. So, cool. you know, and then uh, you know, another piece is is this continual feedback loop. And there's, there's many ways to get that. There's obviously the traditional ways of, you know, uh, net promoter scores and, and, you know, retention metrics and all those kinds of things. But it's mm-hmm. really just about how we feel like we're enabling a more fluid and, and ongoing communication of the clients that we have with their clients and us together. You know, our job is too, to keep that communication uh, going. And that's where we get real, real feedback and how we can improve, not only, the you know, the the product and continue to, uh, to add enhancement and, and, um, and, you know, the user experience, but even how we can help the client services team be better at servicing our clients. Yeah,
1: totally. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think um, the thing that I love uh, in, in hearing you talk and, and, uh, and, and some of the happy folks who've talked about uh, the benefits, um, it aligns up really well with, with what I see as this, this idea that analytics, has become, as we think about this this journey from, uh, you know, kind of the arts to the science, right? Analytics is obviously the sort of the, the linchpin in that, but it's become something in the retail industry that is, you know, kind of technical and, and tactical rather than strategic and business oriented. And and that's largely a function of, of the lack of, the lack of, you know functionality within tools within solutions that, that that enable that, right? So you you know you've got an organization that says, hey, we need to make more more analytically based decisions, and and but we don't know how to do that, and so they turn to their IT team, their their CIO, and 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 they raise their hand, and say, yeah, okay, I I yeah, I've got a I've got guys that can do that. I got I've got a, a people who I can turn to to help build that out, and I can go hire a bunch of data scientists and. And they'll answer your questions for you, but then you end up looking for this unicorn, right? Who can not only, you know, understands all of the technical, um, you know, IT components and and the, the structuring of the data, but you also need them to, to be able to scale it all the way to business insight and recommendation. And, and, and that's, that's a, that's an inefficient process. It's, it's hard to find that talent. It, and it, and it necessarily creates bottlenecks in your, in your processes internally. And so, so now you layer on a tool like Hybrid, um, that, you know that is about giving access and insights to people uh, who are analytically oriented, but maybe not technical, right? Who maybe I don't, I, I can't, I'm not skilled at coding to extract data, but I can, I, I know the questions to ask. I can think through the analytic processes and I can understand the insights that are there. And now you can separate those two. And the tool makes that simple, right? Simple, easy to use for, for anybody who 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 can think in an analytical way. Right. And I think that's such a critical distinction. And not not many, not many solution providers are get that yet. They're still targeting the the technical side of the business rather than the 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 kind of strategic business unit, the business owner within that. So mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's great. And the previous question we were talking about kind of better collaboration between retailers and suppliers. So I'd be curious from John, you um, show Walter on, and maybe you don't know this yet, but like are most of the projects that you guys conducting, are you bringing the retailer and the supplier in to use the tool and train them on the tool? And it sounds pretty easy to use, but it sounds like something that maybe both in collaboration, you know, helps, or does it kind of depend on the project or how would you kind of describe that?
2: Yeah, obviously, it's like anything else. It depends on the project, but the way yeah. you framed it up, uh, working as a as a as uh, uh, an ecosystem or a team. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's yeah. when you get the absolute most, you know, uh, the best benefit for, for all parties involved, for sure. For sure.
0: And as much, you know, data inputs as you can to make the model better, probably. So <laughs> from yeah. both sides. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, great. So this webinar was kind of all about the you know next gen merchandising solutions. Um, what would you say is next uh, for next gen itself?
2: Mm. You know, I, I'm going to go back and revisit from the previous question. I think I think it. it, it I'll, I'll revisit some same ground here. But well, first off, um, you know, most of your uh, you know in, in any situation when you are you know trying to solve for a particular problem when you're writing it, you know, kind of a solution statement, you kind of start with, um, you know, precisely what am I trying to solve for? And it's pretty foundational or a base level. And Mm -hmm. I forgot what slide it was that John touched on, but he talked about, uh, you know, AI for automation or any, you know, any kind of uh, advanced analytics for automation, trying to automate your processes and your solutions, things of that nature, but then also this augmentation that's additive. And I think that's where the next gen is, but, just to cover off on the on the on the uh, on the base level um, you know the tool allows for how do you answering that question how do I make my my planning my merchandise and my merchandising annual planning process or now even maybe it can be more than annual uh, but how do I make that a lot more efficient effective uh, and, and 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 you know get on get on with doing that and obviously it delivers on that and that's that's the Primary driver and the intent. So I would say the next gen, and I kind of mentioned it in one of the earlier questions, is the ability really in this same conversation, the same, uh, you know, the same space, if you will, to be able to then to, to get onto that kind of notion of augmenting and creating mm-hmm. continual conversations within that planning process uh, and be able to do them in real time and not uh, in, in, in time silos or even in department or function silos and being able to continually come back and ask those questions of well, what if we really leaned in on, you know, uh, this or that, and then what, what would be the potential, uh, you know, implications. And we can bring that predict that predictive, you know, uh, answer back to that and make decisions as, as to whether or not it is appropriate or worth the risk or worth the opportunity, you know, to, to in- embark on that. So, yeah, I think it, Finally, in your surveys, uh, Jackie, and the CMA that I've you know, seen for, for years and years and years, you know, retailer and manufacturer collaboration, uh, harnessing you know, massive sets of data to try to get at better collaboration and all those things, those are, those are continually at the top of the list of uh, solves that we need. And I really yeah. do think is, this is one of those tools. This is one of those uh, uh, you know, ways in which we can hopefully keep the, con- the conversation uh, you know, more continual more time bound or more, 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 uh, within a, a, an appropriate time, uh, you know, uh, scale. And, uh, so, yeah, to me, that's the next gen part is being this kind of this notion of augmentation to this, uh, to the right. process. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I would, I would add to that, just, um, you, know, you talked about kind of predictive capabilities. I think it's also, it's also about prescriptive capabilities as well. Right. So moving beyond just being able to, kind of predict outcomes to prescribing actions that improve those outcomes as well. Right. And, and, and doing that, uh, you know, through things like scenario modeling and, 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 and being able to do that rapidly to, 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 to exactly your point just to simulate actual decisions or, or potential decisions that, 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 that we might make and understand those impacts and, and, and and prescribe actions that are going to optimize that. I think that's a really uh, a really critical aspect, and then and then the, the other piece, um, you know, we're we're talking a lot right now about sort of moving beyond just kind of traditional traditional KPIs. Um, so thinking about you know as you think about those those that scenario modeling capability, that prescriptive capability, factoring in real world constraints and being able to add those on top of uh, on top of the 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 um, you know the, the, the kind of the analytics. Um, but, but, but then understand the impact, not just on, on, you know, space productivity, but something like customer loyalty, uh, you know, like long-term trips. And and are we, do we think this is going to, as we walk, as we change our assortment during this reset, is this going to walk customers out the door? And if so, what's their value and what basket are they taking with them, right? Being able to understand that loyalty and churn metric and, 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 and doing that again, just to reiterate it at a at a granular level, right at the at, the, at the yeah. store level, not just you know this broad kind of average approach, right, or or you know sort of four quadrant approach. It's, it's it's very granular and and at scale and with those with those kind of next generation KPIs in mind, right. That, that, and I think that's a is pretty critical. And that's what, in 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 my opinion, that's what kind of allows you to link you know, your strategic goals with the execution of that. And that's where, that's where, you know, so much of, so much of, you know, every plan falls apart, right. In the, in the actual execution of this at the, at the store level and, and, and having a tool that can, that can kind of get that prescriptive ability, um, you know, at that level is, is, is really going to kind of make that more seamless. right? So. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and to like John's point, I mean, you leave them these, everyone on this call probably has experience leaving these types of meetings with these hypothetical questions of what is it going to do to my assortment or my churn or my shopper behavior or whatever, but now that you can go back and it's not going to take days and weeks to try and do the analysis or realizing you don't have the resources even to do the analysis, there's tools like this that can get to those answers really quickly and accurately is really cool. Um, so I encourage everyone on the call to just think about You know, experimenting with it or just, you know, starting really basic with something and a model and seeing what it can do and not be afraid um, of sort of the next gen, you know, technology, for lack of a better term. So
2: this reminds me of um, about a week ago, I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts and the guest that this this uh, person had on was somebody who's written books about A.I., and mm-hmm. I couldn't wait to listen. Of course, so I'm like, oh, I can't, I can't wait to you know hear what this person has to say about the state of AI. Yeah. And when asked the question, okay, can, you know, okay, how would you describe AI? Because most people, you know, they conjure up images of cyborgs and you know, and and, and, all, and you know, robots taking over the world and things of that nature. This person mm-hmm. said, it's math. And I thought, oh, you know, that's pretty much true. Now the difference is, yeah. it's being able to do very complicated math. Very, very quickly using much larger data sets, you know, so that's the, you know, the machine or, or the artificial part of it. But yeah, at the end of the day, uh, you know, it's mad. So it's, mad. It's,
0: it's not that Don't scary. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Yeah. To- <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening until the
1: end of this podcast. And for now, remember, data has a better idea. See you next time.